0: Welcome, movie fans, back to another Anatomy of Movie here at the Popcorn Talk Network as we dissect free fire. That's right, there's going to be bullets whizzing left and right for the next 90 minutes, so stay tuned.
1: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie.
0: That's right, ladies and gentlemen, put your John Denver cassette in. <laughs> Sit back in your lazy boy And get ready for a good old time With Dimitri Panos Hey movie fans, how are you? Marissa Serafini
2: Hello everyone
0: And Phil Svitek As we dissect this Ben Wheatley movie um, And for those of you who don't know If this is your first time, first off, welcome If you're returning, welcome again uh, We are very spoiler filled Although there's not much to necessarily spoil in a movie such as this There's going to be violence And there's going to be gunshots And that's all I'm going to say just for now mm-hmm. As we always do <laughs> Overall impressions for this movie Starting with The Marissa Seraphine.
2: Well I saw the trailer for this film And I was like Okay it looks like a fun Ridiculous Kind of easy film to go into And then watching it It was exactly that And I'm glad Sometimes simplicity works And I felt like this movie Was super simple um, And we'll definitely get into it But I don't think there was enough like Character j- development For me to care about A lot of these characters but it was fun seeing like everyone's <laughs> dynamics and like who hated who and who was on who each other's side. Um, there was a lot of fun dialogue and the fact that it was in one location, pretty much, it was like it, this is a very simple film to watch and talk about.
1: No, oh, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, listen, writer-director Ben Wheatley. Uh, this movie, Free Fire, plays a little bit Reservoir Dogs, a little part uh, Boondock Saints, and maybe even a little <laughs> bit of Trespass. It's basically 10 minutes of setup where it's a meet and greet of our characters and then 75 minutes of a shootout. Um, You know, and and so, yeah, they're all coming together for this gun deal, uh, to make this gun deal. And that deal, as we know, goes fast, uh, goes south really fast. Um, And then we have this gunfight. And I thought it was hip. I thought it was fun. I never felt that it got self-indulgent with, like, dialogue. And I think that Wheatley and his co-writer Amy Jump, I thought they gave you some characters to root for, even though every single one of is pretty seedy uh, for the <laughs> most part. Um, you know, and every character, that's the other thing, too. Every character has a bullet with their name on it. But with these folks, you got to figure that their names are misspelled. <laughs> like, so... Um, and, and so... The shooters are trying to figure out who may have double-crossed who and doing whatever. Well, I felt that the safety of a movie theater, like, we sort of kind of, or I sort of kind of figure out who's going to be last person standing, um, so, you know, I like the performances. I thought Brie Larson as the sole female character in this movie, um, You know, she proves again she can hold her own and stand toe-to-toe with her male counterparts. And I really think that it helped that she was written really well. Like, that character was written really well. So that gave her a lot to do in this, I agree, this relatively simplistic film. Uh, The other person that uh, I really enjoyed watching was Cillian Murphy. Uh, He was a lot of fun, too. Uh, Army Hammer pulls in... I thought, a really good performance, and he found, you know, he was like, he was suave, but he had this this this, this pot-induced swarminess to him, <laughs> and uh, Charlton Copley, who I usually find to be annoying because he's so over the top and obnoxious, I think he finally found balance in this movie where... He turned his obnoxious, obnoxiousness into sort of, like, ability, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he's an obnoxious character, but he was funny. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last week about when an actor can be funny, it sort of gets the audience on his or her side. And he was sort of funny in this movie with his accent and everything. So, yeah, I mean, the movie never overstays it. its welcome. 85 minutes long it's over before you know it which is more than some of the characters in the movie could say <laughs> so that's
0: true you know absolutely and i did like the fact that you know to me it actually had a little bit less action than you might expect uh, and it was nice that we we had those moments of character development we would go forward then sort of recap go forward recap go forward recap um but before i fully give my thoughts uh Anthony in the booth. In a rare moment, I'm gonna <laughs> throw the mic to him Yo, because he, you are a big Ben Wheatley fan. Yeah. So.
3: so right off the bat, you know, I'm pretty biased, and I mean, I, I really enjoyed this film. It wasn't bad or anything, so it was really great. I was looking forward to this film ever since I saw a trailer for it months ago, and uh, I gotta say, I was uh, I was pleased. It, it's it's definitely not like a deep movie, but it's it's very fun. I love the shootout. Um, like just like how simple it is you know it's just people in a warehouse shooting themselves and then i love the little like tidbits of dialogue that you you can kind of like miss because it gets like often the gets um, like uh, lost in the background sometimes but they're just so funny like little quippy things you know like dimitri was telling me about that one I, like poke him in the eye and see if he's still alive <laughs> poke him in the eye and see if he flinges yeah. <laughs> yeah that was really great and then like also i i, I guess like the message was like what um Like, uh, I think it was the tagline that said it perfectly, like, when everyone has a gun, no one's in control, Mm -hmm. especially with, like, our country going through, like, issues of gun control and, like, all that. I thought it was pretty cool to make it, like, this uh, issue of gun control and make it kind of, like, in a sense, campy. I thought it was, like, a really good take on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And what do you like about Ben in general? Because you've you've seen High Rise, you've seen his other movies. I mean, you went to see it specifically for him, not just because you thought, oh, cool movie.
3: Um. Well, I did see it for him but I also saw like, I like the the idea of the movie too Um. I don't know he just he, it's like it's like the, that kind of music that just kind of gets you just touches your soul he's kind of like the guy who just knows like he kind of like knows who I am and like his movies I'm frightened in some <laughs> you know what that's <laughs> he knows who I am but, like, his you movies, relate like, to him yeah his movies definitely speak to me and I can like relate to his movies a lot and they just kind of his movies just like get me you know like High Rise was really cool and um, also, if you haven't seen the Kill List, is like I've just seen those two movies, and well, now this one. And off those, I was just like, I just madly just was in love with his work.
1: So we just learned that Anthony's a huge John Denver fan. <laughs> oh yeah, from the movie.
0: yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you, thank you, Anthony. Thank you for sharing. Um, you, didn't, I don't think you uh, ruined your mic time. So, no. <laughs> congratulations there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, for me, I didn't really have an idea of what this was, other than that it was set in Boston. Um, I don't even know why it was necessarily set in Boston. It didn't need to be. It's just...
1: only thing I can think of is for the accents in the NRA. And there weren't even a lot of Boston accents, but being that this was an NRA... IRA. I, uh, uh, IRA, I'm sorry. Not NRA. Aren't they the same thing? Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. Um, that's the only thing I can think of, because it's during that time, uh, Irish immigrants in Boston and it's the only thing I can think of why it might have been set in Boston was for the uh, yeah. was for that and the accents.
0: I mean, it, <laughs> it was uh, it was certainly a selling point for me, so I went because it was set in Boston, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was sort of duped in that sense. But right. it was great because uh, <laughs> the rest of it was fantastic,
1: and it was filmed in. Well, it was filmed in Brighton. Mm-hmm. Brighton, England, yes. <laughs> not Brighton, Boston. When I read, oh well, it was from the Brighton too. That's not oh England. Okay, <laughs> so um... but yeah. it looked like Boston.
0: Yeah, and it, you know uh, I can't wait to dive into some of this stuff. The fact that I mean, for the most part, um, everyone had to interact on the set. Like you couldn't sure. really be like, okay, you have the day off, and we'll shoot you. It was just everyone had to overall be there for for most days. So I like that aspect of it. That's that bonding. Um... So, um, why don't we dive into it? Uh, Dimitri? You actually have a lot of research in terms of how it got started uh obviously it's it's his pet project Ben likes, writes a lot of his stuff right um, well, along, with from his, there,
1: along with his uh his writing partners, as i said and and wife. It, it, Amy and Jump wife. is also yeah. his wife. So, partner. Yeah, wife. And, <laughs> and so, and they're good together. And in this, he was basically inspired by real life transcripts of, of a 1980s FBI shootout in Miami. And he goes on, he goes, it was between the FBI and armed uh, robbers, very close quarters, and it went on for ages 30 to 40 minutes. He goes, the transcript was a forensics report. But it read, like, a story. And he's like, unless you're... He was comparing it to... Unless you're, like, a Navy SEAL and you're trained for this type of gun battle, he goes, what, you, what, I, what I come to understand is, like, people who have guns in this situation are actually very terrified <laughs> deep down and they're horrible, horrible shots. <laughs> Which was this movie. No, I noticed. Yeah. I was like, wow. Everyone is so and, off. And, but I like that because typically in a movie, right... Or it's good guy, bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. The good guy can, like, mow down 100 bad guys and not use up all his bullets. And the bad guys, like stormtroopers, miss almost every single time. But in this movie, everybody was missing, and it just seemed like if they hit somebody, it was all by, well, if you want to call it luck or bad luck, depending on what side of the gun you're on. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. So, and I think they sort of kind of were making fun of that too. Um, you know, and hence we get like an 85 minute gunfight.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, right? So, and, and it's funny that he just took it from a two story and he says, hmm, this would be an interesting movie. <laughs> like, the, the, this is an interesting. I, let's make this into a story and let's make
0: it into a movie. Well, he certainly, he, I guess he's a, quite a video game fan, so <clears> he's played <throat> Counter Strike and things of that nature. Um, Obviously, that lends itself to to being inspired to something.
1: But on top of that, he's a big Minecraft fan. And so the set, the warehouse, he actually built in Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) He built his set like brick by brick. So he knew every facet of that warehouse. And he literally had to... Because the way the, you know the way the movie goes along, right? People are constantly changing positions. So he he built the warehouse like via, using Minecraft to do it, which is funny. Um, but then he had to map out, okay, this person's here, this person's here, this person's up over here. Blocking. but this person came from over here. He had to <laughs> like from a continuity um, standpoint, this movie, had do have been a nightmare, to do, um, considering too they filmed it the chronolo- mostly chronologically. So, but I just found since you mentioned video game, yeah, he built warehouse yep. in Minecraft.
0: That's I, great. I mean, hey, if
2: it did the job, right?
0: <laughs> it's a it's a it's partly a nightmare, partly like the fun thing. You know, one of the things I think they really succeeded at was at no point overall did I. Was I unaware of the spatial relation between everyone, despite them having to move around? So, you know, I attribute acting to that. Obviously, writing and cinematography, editing, all those things are factors into going, okay, I get where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy that because I, I could say for a lot of movies that are even just boiled down to, like, two-minute action sequence, I'm like, right, what the hell's going on? What? I'm going to check back in in two minutes. Yeah. Because, okay, great, you guys are going to fire, fire, these people die, and our main character is going to go off, and that's the end result, so that's all I need to focus on. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I rather enjoyed that with this movie that didn't go that route.
1: It didn't, and, and I think they used audio cues, so we got to know via accent and, and voice. Obviously, we know Brie Larson, right? This is, was over well. So, no,
2: like I, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, as we already established, our characters within you know this room, <clears> like <throat> eventually you can see throughout the maybe probably the second half, you can just hear people's voices off to the side. and You know who's who, so right. like you do learn people's voices, and it's like, is that you, Frank? Is that blah, right. blah blah blah? And like, like I, I think because it was so simple that you could easily pick yeah. up who's who.
1: And they did a very smart thing too, is that like they always had people peeking up from cover so we could see them. Um, or, you know, uh, hey, you go run over there. I'm not running over there. <laughs> like So they, the way that it was staged was actually pretty clever in the mere fact, too, that they did it all within 85 minutes and edited this together so that it made sense for the audience Mm -hmm. in this vast warehouse. Where Reservoir Dogs, like that warehouse scene, was much smaller, so whatever characters...
2: And a smaller cast, too. Yeah.
1: But all the characters you could see in that one setting, this one, well, be it it's not the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse... It still had. It had an upstairs, a downstairs. You knew that the phone was upstairs, and that was a goal to get to. So they did a very good job geographically yeah. for the audience to figure what's what, who's who, and where they are and where they're going.
0: Yeah, and the the 10 minutes in general that we spent early on mm-hmm. uh, to that point in terms of giving them voice, um, you know, I don't think too many people would draw criticism to overspending time initially because that's what allows... that. At that point, once the shootout happens, you do know everybody. You you know everyone's motives, even if they're just non-existent. Um, in the case of um, what's his name, um, Stevo. Stevo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but you you know each of those people, and so that 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 does allow you to to have that. Um, one of the things I found interesting, in fact, was I, I I'd have to go see it back fully um, to to really kind of dissect it even further. But a lot of times I noticed definitely by the middle of the movie, there was dialogue going on and you weren't on the person at all. Right. You were just seeing kind of the reactions of various things. And very rarely did we go to the actual person talking unless it was a very specific line that right. did move plot forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, obviously kudos to them on that because yeah. I, I think that made it more fun.
1: I think so too!
2: Yeah, I mean, we had a short amount of time of development for these characters but it was long enough to know like uh, what they're. Personalities and right. characteristics. Where it's like, oh, Steve was an asshole. so he'll probably die. <laughs> this, this. Part, I was like, I like Justine. I hope she lives. You know, it's uh, you. You got that you short like amount of time. At the end, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Justine. But like, I still like Justine. She was yeah, awesome. Was. I think it was more so like she was the hen in the doghouse. So like, uh,
1: I'll give her that. <laughs> well, let me ask though. Like, did, was it any big surprise that I mean, for some reason I don't know why I just figured. She was going to be last person standing. That whatever was going on, she was play she played a part of what of what this double cross was going to be. And I just sort of had the sense that she would be last I mean, she technically was last mm-hmm. person standing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know, um I there wasn't a doubt in my mind that she would be one of the last people standing. Uh, did I know that she was part of the double cross? No, I did not.
1: Well, yeah. it was given, like, again, when um, uh, there was, you know, it's not a big cast, but when Martin, okay, when, <laughs> when Martin comes back to life for the second time, <laughs> that guy was so funny, right? <laughs> and he's great. walking and he starts calling out her name. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, why is, they're like, going, oh my God, it's it's like her or something. But, um, yeah. Y- Again, I didn't know what the deal was, what they had, and sort of at the end, Justine goes, Yeah, you know, she she spills the beans. Um, but he, at, at, what was smart about it, too, is that they set up, you end up liking Cillian Murphy, and you're like, and he's asking her out to dinner, which was funny, yes. but you were like, Going, they're, they're like, Yeah, you know what? We need dinner after this. We'll just meet. So we're shot up really, and we where the hell in Boston are they going to go have dinner in the shape that they're in? Oh, they can go to Southie and nobody would even look at them twice, you know. So, There's so many places. Yeah, uh, I just there was that camaraderie in a sense that you believed in, and that to me is where you had characters to root for. Justine being one of them. I thought mm-hmm. I thought Cillian Murphy was one um, to really like as well as Chris and and Army Hammer because he was. I don't know, I just liked him in this movie, too. You
0: know? Well, I mean, I mean, do you... Ulti- like, I didn't find myself necessarily rooting for one character over the other. I mean, t- to your guys' point, I was rooting for... Um, for... Uh, not Frank, but um, Celine Murphy's character. Chris. Chris And... Um, Chris. I thought his name was Ward, but I found out, obviously, at this point, that his name is Ord. Ord.
3: Ord.
2: Ord. It's kind of hard to tell Sweden. when there's so many <laughs> shots being fired. Yeah. yeah.
0: So... Um, I, I, I liked Ord and Chris overall but at no point did I say like one's better than the other they both were at the end of the day I, 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 unlike with um, anti-hero movies right. I was very distanced overall with these characters and just had fun watching them in my own sadistic little way of like, you guys shoot each other up. You guys have fun with this. I just want to know where this goes. Right,
2: right. Agreed. Like, I liked each character for their own like quirks that they brought. I mean, uh, we we had Ord, who was you know kind of the leader, but he he was just you know doing the business. He like he kind of got caught in the middle. But even you know uh, Vernon. Like, I kind of liked him because he was just weird, quirky, and also kind of vain, worried about his suit, and then, like, trying to (laughs) put (laughs) on that cardboard covering so he doesn't get infected and stuff like that. So, like, everyone had their own personal quirks that uh, is kind of likable. And uh, but like you, you find out like Steveo like dude I'm glad he got the ending that he got but um, we'll definitely get into it. But yeah, I mean, his characters Steve-O, stood out on their own. But
1: but you know and it's funny because yeah, like you mentioned Steveo it was Sam Riley right? Um, he got the act he got the Boston accent down right I felt. Um, and yeah you're right he was he was sort he was a douche. He was <laughs> right, he was but, but but there was still something that was sort of funny. I don't know. I think maybe because it was his Boston accent. But then again, you had um, you had Jack Reiner as Harry, who was the guy that recognized Steve-O. Um, the guy with the beard, I believe, uh, right? Yeah, and
2: glasses. Yeah. And he,
1: too, though, was sort of like... He was I liked of, him. You know, he was like sort of dicky, d- d- too. And, you know, but they were like, oh, oh, Harry got it, shot, I mean, him, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, in some sense, it's crazy that that's even somewhat of a statement, because... You would say, like, okay, a guy that's, like, basically trying to get blowjobs, even though he has a wife. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, this guy's 17-year-old cousin just got beat up because of Steve-O. And we might have a problem with Harry and not Stevo. Oh, well, I had a problem with Steve-O. I'm, de- I'm not uh, defending
1: Steve-O. You, don't, you can't defend him. The guy's a jerk. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know? But He's the biggest yeah, Absolutely. Out of all of them. But for the most part, most of these people weren't nice people you yeah. know they're doing a gun deal and they all have their they, you know, they, we like but, them because of their quirks in, within their character not mm-hmm. because of their characters so to speak it's like show Copley's an ass too you know I mean he goes to Brie Larson he's like oh, hey doll oh, you're, oh, you're looking good oh, although you, you gained a few pounds <laughs> fuck
0: off pounds. <laughs> but you know? there's the, like, in their own weird way. they set up the world really well I'm yes. um, part of it we're already used to this world but they had their own set of rules and, and I mean it, in some sense it's like a workplace drama but with guns <laughs> you know what I mean because uh, like yes. they have their own set of rules like okay Vernon's taking it you know you, you can consider like he's taking sexual harassment a little bit too far in the workplace right now <laughs> and then steve-o just completely just did something completely inappropriate whereas right. vernon was toeing the line but steve-o just just crossed it yeah and so that's what i appreciated about this was that the rules were very clearly laid out um you know and i i enjoyed the whole like well you brought the wrong guns well your boy's a little bit Whatever, so let's just call it even. Okay, great. Let's, let's yeah, figure this out. Yeah. Gun deal, or yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so, so I, I, I like that aspect of it overall.
1: But you know, when you talk about you brought the wrong guns, and then you have the Steve-O character. To me, what that helped that, that helped build like this is like a a, a very quick boil. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> because that was all leading like it was building the suspense in a sense because you had Steve-O, Oh my god, I, I recognize that guy holy shit, I got a hide. like, you know, he's going to nail me. And then you guys brought the wrong guns. Like, we're not here for these guns. And then you had Charles O'Copley, who's, like, insulting, like, Army Hammer. And you're just, like, going, there's no way this is going to, like, there's no way this is going to go off and work. There's no, like, everybody is a, such an idiot. Like, you know. There's so. already
2: disconnect between, like, all these characters. You know something is going to go wrong. Um, what I thought was funny was like how everyone got involved in the gun, sh- in the gunshots. You know, uh, it started with uh, Stevo and 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 uh, what's the guy's name? Harry. 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 Steve-O and Harry started with them, and but like everyone else got like involved, like one by one, of how they got into it. And I thought that was pretty comedic.
1: Yeah, but, and they all got involved, like when they like just. Dashed away, <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm going to side with you. Well, I have cover with you, so you know. And mm-hmm. and, and again, Charlton is like, come on, come on, you go ahead and go get the go get the bag. I'm not getting the bag. You're a bird. They're not going to shoot you. And again, it's like, it's what? Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're the I, woman. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. No one's going to shoot you. And then she gets up and goes. To, <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that—that that, that, to me was the real, you know, key. Like, unlike, let's say, a typical western where you literally just have two sides, or perhaps three, because you could consider quote the, you know, the, the the second round of people coming in, the third tier of it. Um, it really was free fire in the sense that everyone had their own different motives. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, as you, you guys pointed out, uh, Ord is basically an independent contractor, and he's a third party to this. Um, you know at the end of the day Harry and um, the other guy the uh, Bernie is it Bernie or Gordon too many
2: names, <laughs> um, a lot of names.
0: basically Harry's friend that, that he was hanging out with in the truck um, they just want to get paid you know yep. what I mean they, it's yeah. not like as, as we see they don't have a loyalty to Vernon one way or yep. the other um, obviously Brie Larson's the, the big reveal uh, and Frank Frank and Chris are tight knit but Steve-O is just a rogue gun oh yeah so I, 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 they're, that, they're that's what really moops. worked. That's what really worked for it is that again, it was whenever it was advantageous. Okay, I'm gonna go with that person, but right. overall, I don't have to like you. Yeah, if you ain't saved my life, I could care less. <laughs> right. And
2: it was also kind of hard once they added the snipers too. It was like, oh, now we even have more shooters. Like, right. where did they come from? <laughs> How did they fit in within this group? And I, I think it was more so because there was uh, such less time developing characters, we were all still learning who's who right. and who's on which side, and then you add more people to it. Like, I don't know. Yeah,
1: and, and <laughs> even know they anymore. were like, who the hell are the snipers? Like, who's, one of the
2: here for? And there's, like, I did love their self-awareness because there was a line, like, I forget which side I'm on, and I'm
1: like, so do I. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and, and let's talk about the snipers for a second. One of the snipers was played by Patrick Bergen, who is completely like, un- unrecognizable to me just for the proof that getting old sucks because <laughs> you ever remember that guy like he was in like sleeping with the enemy with Julia Roberts I believe you know he was the villain mm-hmm. but I even think he played a, you know in, in one of the hundreds versions of Robin Hood he might have been a Robin Hood if, but I didn't even know it was him until I was looking at the credits going oh my god that's Patrick <laughs> Bergen <laughs> you know but the, but the snipers added that again I liked it because the snipers just added that element of how the hell else <laughs> can this thing go wrong <laughs> well
0: just like, I, I love the fact that they or knew Howie and was like hey I, what are you doing here All right <laughs> like, well I'm just trying to make some money just trying to make some uh, money. <laughs> so it, it it added that mystery Got element into <laughs> it uh, overall um, so it, so I thought those elements worked pretty nicely and as, as we talked about like just it took its moments really well where it gave each of them a motive in the short term, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously, like, mm-hmm. the overall motive is just to survive, but it's like, okay, first let's figure out who the snipers are. Okay, we know who the snipers are now. Well, who's who's involved? Okay, great. Well, now how do we get out of here? Oh, there's a phone here. Okay, go do that. Obviously, and at the same time, still juggling all those things, like, oh, there's money, there's guns, there's this. But, so right. it just built on itself. um you know all the while never letting you forget.
1: And at the same time it remains simplistic. Even though now. as writers they they built up <clears throat> you know your, your your clever plot points to 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 move like like this is a good scre- like it's a good screenplay to study for let's hit our right plot points. Let's add the conflict like the phone the phone ringing was like <laughs> a big deal cuz that changes dynamic cuz mm-hmm. then you have people who are they? are gonna either call the police, they're gonna call for backup, they're gonna do something. That's another challenge that our characters have to go through. And other people didn't want people to make it to the phone. That's
2: like a destination point, <clears throat> right?
1: So, yeah, from a screenplay s- standpoint, it hits its
0: marks like really well. I was most disappointed by Leary. Right, really? that's the guy. That's the guy that comes in.
3: Uh, like well, the big... Yeah, the yeah. big... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because
0: yeah. I definitely want to ask you guys what you thought the order of death was going to be. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of Leary, like, he's sort of at that point represents such hope for a, however you want wanted to find Chris's side, at least certainly for Chris. Right. And he, he just comes in thinking he's the rock star. And because he has no... It, like, none of them could walk at that point. The fact that he could walk is a victory for Chris. <laughs> and just take it out in a mere matter of seconds not even a minute it was minute. like
2: not even minutes um, I was like
0: you you got to go into this a little bit smarter buddy
1: yeah but yeah i mean like you know he's like luca brazzi <clears throat> you know he's this big henchman that you think is going to take everything Yeah, you know, he gets taken out really you know yeah this guy tom that davis toolbar, no
2: less yeah
1: and <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not that he didn't have a good fight doing it you just yeah he was like he was taking out the big man, the hired gun, so to speak. He was the guy that was supposed to come and sweep up. Yeah, he got swept.
0: <laughs> you know, and he was big, though, too. And- it yep. oh, was so big. You expected, <laughs> I expected so much more from him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I thought he was funny. He was that, that false hope of, like, he has no idea what he's getting into. Because there wasn't that slow buildup of, like, them people still shooting at each other and him, like, slowly getting and walking, getting to mm-hmm. them in, the, in that big place. And I'm like, oh, no. He has no idea. Um, yeah. What it's what funny
0: What did you guys think the order of death was and you could start backwards of okay who do you think was going to live and then you know build backwards from there.
2: Well, I knew Steve was going to die. <laughs> I was like he he's, he's the biggest tool, he has to die. But I
0: didn't expect him to die towards the end. Like he, he was, was one of the last uh, people to die and I was like wow. Yeah, I was kind of glad he was one way. of the last
2: people because he was such a big D bag that I'm glad like he lived to the end because his death I felt was the most satisfactory death out of everybody
1: and it was not by gun
2: yeah exactly <laughs> it's like,
1: like really you couldn't get out of the way of that <laughs> but and then, but he
2: I, got the most gruesome oh death. absolutely
1: absolutely and
2: rightfully so but
1: I do agree with you like I thought <clears throat> while he was the linchpin that you know he was he was the grenade pin that you pull out right yeah. I thought though. With that, too. He was going to get it. I was like, oh, here we go. There, There's our first shooting. And then, you know, but he survived a hell of a lot longer I thought than I thought he was going to.
0: I thought Frank for sure would outlive him, if anything. <laughs> nope. Right. Nah. I was, you know, I was nervous that Frank would die. Obviously, he did. But, yeah, man, he... If, if, uh, Steve-O definitely outlived poor Frank. Yeah. Huh. Which is a
1: ab- Yeah, I mean, I don't have, like, a... I wasn't thinking in in terms of who's going to... Like a a chronology. Because, again, it did give me characters to root for. So I was sort of hoping that, you know, Justine was going to make it. Um, Ord would have been fun to make. And even Chris. Like, the three of them, I thought, they'll work well together. Like, they're going to make it out. And, you know, whatever. So those at least are the people... That I was rooting for, yeah, same. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so and then everybody else. I was just wondering how it was all going to play out, and and again, not all of them died of gunfire. There was fire, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, in that movie. And again, Charlton Copley, Believe it or not, like that scene, like it was oh, yeah. the last scene filmed of the movie. <laughs> it was one of the scenes that was um, not filmed. In chronological order, the reason being, he wanted to actually be set on fire, (laughs) and Ben Whelan is like, "Oh, well, you know that might not be a good idea. But if we are going to do it that way, we're going to make sure it's the last scene of the movie because we don't want you getting hurt at the beginning of the movie or where that scene takes place. So that at least if you get hurt, (laughs) I like his thinking. At least if he gets hurt, eh? He already did his scenes." We don't need him anymore. But he actually, yeah, he lit himself on fire. <laughs> that guy's crazy. He is crazy. <laughs> In don't.
0: real life, too. Uh, he definitely quite portrayed that well. Huh? Uh, Vernon did have, obviously, a ton of great lines, and I, and I enjoyed him quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, unless you guys have any of those story moments or specific scenes that you guys like, I mean... You know, I don't think we need to beat a simplistic storyline to death and right. we'll move I, on to more to the production side of things.
2: I think one of my favorite moments in the movie was when there was literally like really no dialogue for maybe two, three minutes straight. There was just straight-up shooting, and people are just crawling everywhere. Like No one's talking to each other. All you can hear is just gunfire. Yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out like where everyone is, like the blocking of that particular room. But I thought that was done pretty well because everyone's just trying to move and survive, and no one's talking to each other.
1: Yeah. And again I like scenes too that, that where you ass you shot me and like they had nothing against that person at the beginning of the movie. But because they got hit with a uh, you know, unfriendly fire or something. Yeah, when,
2: when Harry shot Justine, Justine, I was like, Oh, that's how she got involved right. and she pulled out her own gun. And I was like, Ah that was friendly fire. And he's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, he's like, I'm sorry again like, you, you <laughs> shot the
1: wrong person. you shot the wrong person it was stuck that's why it was almost it was a it was a comedy of bad errors or bad manners um so I think that's where the humor comes in with with the violence that was uh yeah, yeah they
0: they're they're not as good as they think they are obviously. oh no, they're oh, terrible yeah
1: yeah so um yeah, did you have a favorite scene or <laughs> it's
0: tough to differentiate
2: overall. <laughs> it was. Uh,
0: But just, yeah, I mean, I actually, in particular, I liked Vernon overall in, in terms of everything he was doing. Um, <clears throat> uh, my, you know, I think looking back on it, Martin was actually quite a lot of fun. Uh, simply because now, if you look back on his motives, just the, the fact that he says that line, like, I'm not dead, I'm just re-strategizing. Right. <laughs> and then... He did. That's what he did. And then he got up eventually, you know, 40 minutes later and was re-strategized. Unfortunately, he's missing a portion of a brain. So that's what to so restrategic- brain looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I thought his, like, revival moment was great, though, because he's just, like, not caring who who could shoot him. And he was just, like, out right. there angry, right. man. I'm like, oh, no. He's on a mission. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought his, like, second... Revisit was great. Right.
0: Poke him in the eye and see
1: if he flinches. Who <laughs> <laughs> <It's
2: like>, oh. <laughs>
0: um, what I did love uh, in terms of the process was the fact that uh, Amy Jump was was always on set overall and um, they they actually did a lot of improv and the more she got to know them, she could write specifically to their voices. Right. Um, so it goes back to your earlier point of, you, yes, there's beats that you want to hit. There's, um, you know, I'm sure they had dialogue but now it's as you're doing it, especially the fact that you can do it in chronological order overall, right? Uh, sort of lends itself nicely because you're like, Oh, we, we said that earlier, so now we can really shift it to his voice and, and use it here. When you shoot out of order, obviously, it's a lot tougher to do that.
1: Could you, and, and I think from an editing standpoint, too, particularly in this movie, to try to shoot it as much in chronological order as helps like from that process and from a continuity and i'm not just talking like (coughs) continuity like editing continuity i'm talking from costuming continuity i'm talking from like where somebody might be talking or pointing i mean you got to get our characters are spread apart in this enclosed environment it's sort of it's like a big locked door mystery Because we were trying to figure out who the hell double-crossed... Who the hell are these snipers? And these people can't get out of here. They can't get out of this warehouse. Like, not one of them thought to run for the door. (laughs) But if they tried, they were going to get shot. Or at least attempted to, so...
0: Absolutely, and you know, uh, it was actually both Ben and Amy that also edited the movie, so I imagine um, I'd have to dig a little bit further. Um, Unfortunately, you know, with a movie like this, there's not as much information readily available, so I apologize for that. But um, you know, it's cool to think that Amy could have also been editing as the movie's going on, as she's watching it, help inform what's to come through the writing and so forth. So it's a very uh, fun process in that way.
1: Absolutely, and to your point, too. Wheatley had to make sure every shot, both from a gun and captured by his camera, happened in sync. So, what I talked about Minecraft, Wheatley actually drew 1,700 storyboards, built a physical model of the warehouse he planned to film, and even created a 3D simulation of the space in Minecraft. Oh, by the way, is for you science fiction geeks and movie geeks. uh, He used Blade Runner, he used a Blade Runner texture pack (laughs) to do this um, to make sure he got every single shot right. He goes, we could share that amongst all the people who are working on it and walk around inside it together and he, he found it useful. But I think that really helps the audience too because we had a geography. This wasn't a flat warehouse. This is a warehouse that had, had levels, boxes, and crates and things to well, hide you and, and to, climb. Yeah,
0: you know, uh, I love mm. the barrel that the, yeah, the the spool, right, if you right. will, um, and just using that to like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll this or the even the dolly. Um, so yeah, all, all those things to to really think of. Okay, how am I gonna move without right. getting shot?
1: And line of sight was also <laughs> very important as well and that's why he designed like using minecraft he was able to do a 3d rendering so is and give characters line of sight or not line of sight and to see whether they can conceivably be hit or not hit so i just there was a lot of work in the details of making this what we call what we think story-wise is a very simplistic story
0: it's a, you know well the uh, yeah. from from what i read the actors also helped it in the way that they were very cognizant of how many bullets their guns had. Right. The only person, and this is ironic (laughs) and funny, it was Steve-O, who just basically just didn't care. He he just shot up everything in sight, and in theory, he actually would have ran out of bullets. They said
1: he would have had to have carried sacks (laughs) of ammunition, like, with him. Um, But there is actually, and and I have it, I just have to go find it, there is actually... um, uh, how many bullets were used and how many shots were, were done. Um, give me two seconds. Uh, okay. It appeared reasonable, realistic, how many shots. If obviously, the characters are paranoid. The only person who who sucked it up was Sam Riley. Um, to answer your question, I think we fired around 7,000 rounds in just over six weeks. Obviously, they're not all in the film, <laughs> <laughs> it's an 85 minute film how much, more, how much more fat could you have had um, we also used around 500 pyrotechnics they were all practical effects too um, he, they didn't even add uh, what they do a lot today too is CG will add the gun flare mm-hmm. <laughs> No, this is practical effects you know this is independent movie like to it's finest I think it shows, and it's part of what makes this movie fun because I think another reason why it's in the 70s too is number one, that's why the telephone is such a big deal. Nobody has a cell phone to whip out. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. Technology is not on their side because it's not on anybody's side in the 70s. So setting it in a time period where the people can't use technology to get out of a problem, you know, and plus again, it's bad fashion is always funny. So. And hair. <laughs> and hair. Oh, my
0: <laughs> Some interesting stuff there. Um, you know, um, a story that Army tells is that, you know, after a couple of weeks of just straight shooting, um, eventually someone, I guess, did call the police. <laughs> like, well, what's going on here?
1: We want to know what's funny about that is because where they filmed in Brighton, England, they were using uh, an old newspaper warehouse, and, in fact, that that newspaper Moved into a building like next door, they're the ones that called the police. And they and, and Ben Wheeling really says, "Yeah, is the irony of it all is, they're a newspaper. Shouldn't they have known <laughs> like what, what like what's going on in their neighborhood? Like the but apparently they didn't. <laughs> so, um, so another funny thing is, uh, and this is all in pounds. So I'm sorry that I, I I'm not going to convert it because we've already we've discussed before. I suck at math, but. Here we go. A blank bullet shot costs around one pound. So we did have we didn't have any large caliber weapons, but ammunition for some guns can be four pounds per shot. And that's why the movie, you know, that's why war movies, Ben Willy says, are a lot of money to make. I guess especially if you're filming in England. So uh, the the he says the budget for the movie was about five million quid, but that I think relates to about seven million. US, U.S. dollars, dollars yeah. but a pound a shot <laughs> That's a lot That's for, over a dollar for, for blanks Yeah, that's a lot, and there are a lot of shots in this movie
0: <clears throat> Well, it makes you, uh, again, like the characters, you kind of have to conserve your, your firepower
1: Yeah yeah.
0: Um, so, so I appreciate that it wasn't just like, okay, wow, they have an infinite supply of bullets Like, okay, that's right. great no, it was very much like, okay, I'm gonna shoot when strategically necessary.
2: Right. Yeah. I think Ord was probably the character that was more cognizant of it mm-hmm. the most because like he you could see him always checking his mags, going back to get more ammunition. Yep. So he, he was well aware.
1: And he seemed to be the most versed too, because he he took out one if not both of the snipers. Mm-hmm. I think he he at least took out one sniper. Um, and trying to figure out where 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 they were you know where they were in the building, um, so yeah, Ord was yeah yeah Ord had that you know he was a little bit experienced in this yeah. just a
2: little Frank
0: <laughs> Frank I thought would be a little bit more experienced but I think he just got stuck and you, put, you, you know he was in no man's land yeah uh, he was taken out of commission just by his location yeah I think so um, yeah no, I thought overall like I mean in terms of the cinematography it's I, again, I can't praise it enough. Like it, it seems so simplistic in, in that sense, but the fact that um, at no point are we questioning where we are. No, looks fantastic.
1: And it was gritty in that '70s type of like it had that '70s movie feel to
0: it. Yeah, as well. like, wow, grunge, yeah, and gross, <clears throat>
2: and like even the the color balance of it. I mean, you had that like the warm yellowish tinted, kind of tinged. Color palette to the whole thing, and you can definitely tell it was one location. Even when they were outside, when it should be dark, it was still warm colors. Yeah. So, comedy for sure. It it definitely had a lighter sense to it.
1: Absolutely. I I would
0: be curious to know. I was going to make this joke earlier, but I would would be curious to know if when the police came to them, if they were like, hey, can we use you for the shot at the end of the movie? (laughs) The sirens, (laughs) and save some money that way. That would be, yeah. <laughs> a happy accident. It could have been them. Listen, if you're an independent filmmaker, trust me, that's how you're thinking. You're well, like, I, while you're here, let's make it worth your time. Yeah.
2: save
1: some money, too. And that that would explain, you know, Brie Larson's, like, look on her face going, who the hell? What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did they just ruin the shot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could be completely different. Uh, speaking of Brie Larson, uh, one of the things that she talked about heavily was... Um, character motivation and building backstory. Uh, and, you know, for, for a movie like this, um, she, she didn't speak about everyone else, but the fact that you know, she, she created her own backstory. And that's right. what makes these characters rich. Uh, I mean, you sort of know everyone has a backstory. Vern, in particular, holds his out the most and tells it to people like i'm from south africa <laughs>
1: yeah i'm like, in the no. fashion <laughs> yeah because it's
2: like what's his accent uh um, <laughs> oh,
0: so i love that you know and I, I think each of them did actually spend um if i had to guess a good enough time to on the on their backstory to make it work because at no point does it feel like that they're just empty people that are just spinning out this dialogue right um, i don't think i don't think i don't care mm-hmm. how good you are if you don't know your backstory in a movie like this it's gonna show
1: yeah, and she had um not only did she have like doing that as an actor uh <coughs> coming up with her backstory or what she believed she was going to be, she also had um this funny thing too about her costuming <clears throat> because you know she was like you know she believed that Justine. He really didn't have any money uh or you know she she either borrowed or stole like she, did, she didn't wear anything flashy but the one thing that she said is that she was in those like 70s kind of heels kind of thing and she thought that that would be good for the character but after about a few days of shooting she was like they were killing me she goes i went to ben going we gotta do something he's like you know like Give it, give it just a few more days, because it's all gonna change. Yeah, because you're she, gonna be crawling. The you're rest gonna of be the movie. crawling. Really <laughs> fine. And then after she was crawling for a week, she's like, "Can I go back to standing?" <laughs> was, that was easier. But she said too though that they had to have like two costumes, and uh, one of the costumes had to be a little bit bulkier so that they can put. They were allowed to wear pads underneath to make the crawling the Crawling on easier. rocks. Crawling on yeah. yeah. <laughs> the crawling on
0: concrete and shrapnel and rocks. And- I mean, by the end, it was, in, in some sense, it was hard to watch because it was like, can anybody get up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. literally
2: like, li- During the time where it was like that two, three minutes when everyone's just crawling, there's like literally no one is standing
0: no. right now. <laughs> Talk about the world's slowest chase scene.
1: I'm going to get And like, again, you said the world's slowest chase scene that's the way like the way Steve-O dies like that van was like that was, a that was just a neutral <laughs> like, it's you like get he couldn't way. get out of the way of a, of a van in neutral that wasn't really on an incline
0: yeah absolutely He's absolutely ridiculous but in the best you know. of ways in the best of ways in
1: the best of
2: ways oh that sound effect though oh his, my God. I was like oh that's horrible Horrible.
0: And then, I mean, talking—they did not shy away from that shot. Overall, it was uh, just no. like no. we're going to show this to you. It's going to be like a, a wheel over a melon. Yeah, yeah
2: In slow motion—you can see every frame of this. Yep. Oh my goodness.
1: So uh, the other thing too, I give like, Brie Larson credit for, and actually Ben Wintley was asked too about what it what, what's it like working with big actors, and he says, well. She hadn't quite... She definitely wasn't in King Kong yet. She had finished The Room but hadn't won the Academy Award yet. So he got her, you know, at a good time. Now, that's not saying with Brie Larson as a person and her makeup that she wouldn't have chosen this project. Maybe a little bit after she had won the Academy Award. (coughs) Mm -hmm. But... You know, she gave her all. She she was there,
0: and uh, well, Cillian Murphy. I mean, I mean, he's done. He's done a ton. I mean, he's basically Christopher Nolan's boy. I mean, he's he's in Mm -hmm. Dunkirk coming up. Um, so it's not like you know he's not known. Um, Army Hammer, obviously.
2: Charlton Copley's been in Um, Copley's been in a lot of movies too. So
0: so um, and I think they just had to just seemed like they had a good time with it. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. If you're a guy, I don't care what they're... Wouldn't you want to be like, hey, I'm in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: in. Sure. We're fighting for. you know, it's a 90-minute it's movie about just us fighting. And yep. we get to shoot back. Great, I'm in.
1: And uh, Brie was asked, too, like... Because, again, at the time, prior to filming King Kong, I mean, this, is a, this seems to be a, a good question, was about... Was there a learning curve on explosions? And <laughs> her answer was, yeah, not being scared of them, just kind of trusting she goes it's a very odd thing that someone tapes a little explosive on your body then five minutes later they're like alright on the count of three this thing's going to explode and you're like really how do I know it's going to explode the right <laughs> way <laughs> you know and I, I just you're right I think this film built a camaraderie amongst its talent and it's and it's, and it's crew where they you, know, you have a line like that and it, that's funny it's like, really, is this thing going to go off the right way? It's, and so, I did get a sense that people were having at least fun making this movie.
0: I think so. <clears throat> you know, I think so. I, I would venture to say yes.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, the other thing too that 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 did not escape me was uh, Martin Scorsese <laughs> has a credit.
2: He helped produce. Yeah.
1: This. He um he uh, yeah he gets an executive. Uh, executive producer credit Uh, he read the script he sent back notes and they said that basically was pretty much it Um, but his name you know it's interesting I'm sure he got paid to get his name on the credits he obviously saw something in it so it was outside of a paycheck um, obviously from his roots you know doing small independent violent movies <clears throat> Obviously, he saw something that he liked, but it's not uncommon for a studio if they're fortunate enough, and you're and you're able to get a name um, to put on there. Uh, you use it as a marketing tool, but for some reason, like it, it only came in the credits. Like I've never, I didn't see it really on the poster um, at all. Was it on the poster? Did I miss no, it? No, it's not on the poster. It's you only know because sometimes the studio look. When I was we'll it's great. Go ahead.
0: Well, no, yeah, because uh, I think a couple of years ago we talked about there. There was even a worse example of. The- I, I um, there was that Jesse Eisenberg movie and I think he was in the movie for like one minute and they put him on the poster as if he's the lead of the movie. And he's like, what the hell? You, can, you can't do that.
1: Well, I, well In this
0: sense, um, obviously a different story. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, but, 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 but at Lionsgate, when we were releasing Eli Roth's Hostel, um, e- Eli Roth, Quentin Tarantino were good friends. Um, getting Quentin Tarantino's name onto a poster that said something to the effect of Quentin Tarantino presents Eli Roth's Hostel. Having his name on the poster really did help because it appealed to his fans and then to horror fans. Um So many people saw uh, Hostel. Right, and, and Hostel too. And he really didn't have anything to do with the movie per se. And there, there are a good handful of Wes Craven presents movies in which they're a horror movie he had nothing to do with them but he got his name on it there was a time when <laughs> from a studio you would put a person's name as a producer on that poster and in the trailer because people would associate oh I see Wes Craven's name that's the guy that did Nightmare on Elm Street this guy knows horror you know, he did scream. He's I'm got gonna, the fan base. Yeah, he's got the fan base. The they
0: might go see his movies. But, I mean, to that point, I mean, the fact that he's even read the script and uh, <clears throat> sent back any notes, like, he didn't necessarily have to do that. He could have gotten just, just just a check and, okay, slap your name on it. Right. Um, so, I think
2: this says a lot about him, too, because, I mean, you know, Martin Scorsese and the Departed and whatnot, I, I feel like... This this is definitely his genre and his demographic that would like this film as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, he says, uh, Ben Wheatley was saying, towards the end of the process, they did send him an edit and he got to talk with Scorsese about it. And he goes, Listen, he was very supportive, uh, he was gentle, he goes, but his name helped secure us a lot of financing. In his name, in this case, instead of using it for marketing, it was used... His name was used to get financing and to get talent involved. This is a more... Again, when you're going to talent and going, hey, this is a Martin Scorsese-produced film, oh, I want to be in a Martin Scorsese-produced film. Mm-hmm. So it, it just seemed that it was used on the opposite side of the spectrum because it, it wasn't it wasn't thrown in as a marketing ploy um, to get an audience in. But if you're trying to secure financing through banks or whatever, you say Martin Scorsese and it's a crime drama that you're filming that says a lot that he's gonna support you and they said he was very supportive of it that's good yeah yeah
0: um well you know it's the the movie's been overall completed for a little bit at least um it was at the Toronto International Film Festival back in October of 2016 right sorry um that's October 16th was the London Film Festival but um TIFF was even before that um so it's it's been out uh for a little bit and you know did the circuit in that sense Mm -hmm. um you know, and I wish it had a little bit more legs in terms of the Bacchus office now, but, um, yeah, I think I would like to see a little bit more promotion behind it, and I'm curious why they w- haven't utilized Scorsese for that side of it.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know, and it might have been in his contract where he said something I don't want to be,
0: you know, he might
1: have said, listen, I, I'm in the credits, <clears throat> use me to help you get the film made. I don't want you to use my name to help get the film marketed or promoted. Mm-hmm. Now, what was most surprising to me about when we're talking about the marketing of this film, this was actually distributed by uh, an indie company that I've talked about many times before because I'm a huge fan. It's A24. Yeah. <coughs> A24 is, while well, they've given us things like Ex Machina. They've given us some really You're solid, <laughs> very solid independent movies. And what makes, because they've had that great balance of they're going to put out a good movie, but they have really solid marketing behind it. For me, I was I was a little bit disappointed because I actually felt that the marketing for this movie, um, particularly the movie poster, it wasn't... I didn't like it. It didn't grab me. And they did an alternate movie poster that was so 70s style, and I'm like, why didn't you go with that? Well, like, Who picked the, the one with all of the characters in... In a circle. In a circle, and the guns... And not one where they had all of the characters that were drawn the way they used to make 70s, you know, the posters in the 70s. I was like, why didn't you go with that one? Because that one definitely is eye-catching. It would draw me in a little more.
0: Well, it's the same reason back then. To, to me, I think, um, remember back in the day of, of of Hollywood when people started using close-ups and execs were like, when people That's go to- it! When people go to see the movies, they want to see the person, they want to see the actor, not right. just the face. They want to see the whole yeah. person. Yeah. So, in this sense, I—I right. um, I don't know. I would venture to say that it's because, like, well, why would they want to see a cartoon version of Brie Larson when they could see Brie Larson they're on the poster? Yeah,
1: but they didn't even utilize it. Like, like, see, like, see how this is like seventy esque, and they're on a record. <laughs> like to me, that 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 captures. A better feel for what this movie is. Yeah, it's uh, actually a what? Target. Sorry, I'm sorry to say that again. Like a Target? A, yeah, oh, it's from a from target. Where Yeah, my glasses suck. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that it's really you know I, I don't know. I think this movie they didn't market it as well
2: as they, as could, they have. could have,
1: and that we know that they can do because they've really they they they've turned the independent. Um, Distribution thing sort of kind of on its heels, and they've come up with solid quality, uh, even nomination worthy performances in uh, <laughs> some movies. And this one, I don't know, it just seemed to be a little well, bit of a misstep.
0: To be fair, I, I mean, I don't <clears> know if this necessarily counts for it, but um, they sort of came into the game a little bit later. Sure. Not, I mean, the, you know, at this point, it's been about a year since they got the rights to this movie, um, but at the same time, you know they weren't the original distributor. Yeah. So you know that could play into it. Yeah.
2: Right. And also, I think that the time of the release of the film too. It's already it's already limited, and it's after. It's kind of I feel like it's one of those movies that they just plopped in the middle of big releases of other mm-hmm. movies, and and because we know this film that Toronto, so that was already like September of last right. year, of 2016. So months right. have passed. Had they released it before, you would have had before the Oscar season, and then now it's after Oscar seasons, where the random movies are just right. placed. So I don't think timing on this film works for them either.
1: Yeah, and I think with whatever budget that they were given to market, um, you know, I mean, it opened up at a at just a just at a, a hair over a thousand locations, I believe a thousand seventy locations, <laughs> and we were talking Not about this. Well, we were talking about this earlier. It wasn't playing at the theater near me, which usually plays everything. Okay. So I had to go, you know, I had to go to another theater, not too far away. I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't as easily accessible as I thought it was going to be for this movie. Um, I didn't see the trailer a ton, and there wasn't a lot of buzz. And to your point, it's release time. I believe some of the actors. Or promoting other things um, or they're onto other projects like I was surprised pleasantly surprised because it helped to find a nice Brie Larson <clears throat> interview so she she obviously um, supported the film they all went to I believe the premiere was in New York City and they all had some great <coughs> shots and pictures of the, you know the cast and crew uh, Ben Wheatley obviously wants the movie to, to, to work and he has a bit of a cachet as Anthony has proven out has proven to us so he talked, you know, he talked up the film, I think, more than a lot of other people, you know, might have been available to talk up the film. You know, Cillian Murphy's a Dunkirk. Yeah, it's uh, coming some, up for real yeah. It is. So,
0: So yeah, <clears throat> um, I agree. And um, I mean, it has a 67, <clears throat> last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes, 67% audience score. Um, so, not too, obviously, right there. Um, I'm surprised... More people, audience-wise, don't necessarily like it. Um, I think what's fun is it's not a just turn-your-brain-off action movie. Mm -hmm. um, But at the same time, it's not like you have to do too much thinking. And it's just fun. It's visceral. Just enjoy it. But,
1: you know, to to a point you made earlier, and I think it's important to our conversation, Phil, is that you had said something. We were talking. It's not the movie I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. Okay? We you go see a movie like this i you know it's not the i've said this before about other movies but we go to movies that's what we do we go to movies we talk movies if it's not the movie you're expecting it to be think about the audience that doesn't really know what the movie is and whether or not they're going to be willing to plunk down money to go see it and again that's a little bit of a misfire i think on marketing because people couldn't get a handle as to what is this movie going to be? And maybe if they came out, maybe they too thought it was going to be a different kind of a movie. I mean, I don't know but, you know, 66% in Rotten Tomatoes isn't horrible um, particularly of a movie of this ilk Um, You know, with a $7 million budget I can't fathom that the budget was much more when it came to distributing the film and marketing materials Maybe it was fifteen to twenty all in. And twenty is on the very high side, um, but when you have an opening weekend of, you know, on on a thousand locations, and your opening weekend is n- not even a million dollars, you know, just I mean, the movie itself right now is is almost at one and a half million. So unfortunately, you know, it just just doesn't seem that word of mouth outside of us and maybe other the the the, the 67% of people who liked it you know you just got to go out and tell people that hey this this movie is a lot of fun
2: plus it's limited too so yeah. not the the whole country is not able to see it's this it's not
1: next door but there have been other movies that opened up on a thousand locations that do pretty well there's there's like good buzz about it um but this movie uh it deserved a little bit better, fate, and you're right. You know, maybe had they chosen not to come out the second week or, what was it, the third week of Fast and Furious? No, I think it was the second.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Oh, mm-hmm. Fate of the Furious? It came out last week. That's tough. That's tough, because it's still a big, giant wave
0: out there that's sucking up,
2: you know, oh, good business. luck trying to
0: get anything in the coming, you know what I mean? Like oh, it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's Summer is now basically eight months. It is. Yeah. <laughs> You know? yeah. like
2: we're we're at the beginning of all the summer movies yeah. now. So,
1: yeah, yeah, it starts in April now. Wow. You know, so, so, <laughs> so, so the so movie in
0: April. March? We had a March movie, uh, Beauty and
2: the Beast.
1: There, you Beauty go. and the Beast was the huge one in March. <laughs> yeah, enormous. and so. that yeah. crossed to billions. So. Yeah, yeah, but but if you maybe release this in January, <coughs> maybe February, maybe yeah, you know, stay away for I don't know, maybe do it on Valentine's Day as a <laughs> opposite, but uh, you know, it's you're right. M- it's funny that, that, that summer um, would start on Mother's Day, which I think it was Universal who released, like, the first Brendan Fraser Mummy mm-hmm. on that day. And people thought, oh, that's really early because we have two more weeks until Memorial Day. That's the kickoff of summer. And now now summer's starting in March, April. You know, that's where we've gotten, like, Captain America movies and things like that, so. Yeah,
0: last year it was uh, in March, Batman v. Superman.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, now we're going into, and then, like.
0: comic movies.
1: Yeah, September, October. October looks like it's going to be a big month. So, this is good for the movie-going fan. Um, Maybe not so good for this smaller-type movie. The industry people talk about this, that the middle movie is sadly like going away. I don't want to see it go away. Cause this is definitely a middle movie. It's worth seeing, you know, I mean, and it is to a particular taste. It's sort of kind of like, and I don't know if the, I don't know if the date is available, but I'd like to know what reservoir dogs um, opened up at because that movie for sure. Nobody knew Quentin Tarantino. It's even more violent than this movie is um let's see if i can find it was
2: like was that as accessible back then as this one is now and plus you know internet has changed the way that people watch movie like that that was more than our more than 10 years ago i mean ask yourself how many superhero
0: movies were (laughs) out when reservoir dogs (laughs) came out. exactly
2: like just the way people ingest movies now is so much different than reservoir dogs it's
1: opening weekend well but but here's let, let me give you a Let's 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 give you an idea. It's opening weekend, um, which, by the ways, was uh, October 23rd of 1992. Exactly. A completely Jesus. different, Com- a completely different type of distribution. But catch this: 19 theaters it opened up at 19 on its opening weekend, <coughs> um, and it did 147,830 147,839,000. Okay. On its opening weekend, its domestic total thus far is only two point eight million dollars. Now they, they they tracked and got grosses and they distributed movies. It was a Miramax film, um, much different than they did and uh, that they do today. Its production budget was a uh, million point two at the time. Okay, nineteen ninety two. So, but when you're looking at, I'm I'm trying to find out like what its widest. Um, like, what its widest theater chain? That movie at its tops was at 16 locations, uh, 61 locations. Tops. Okay. And that movie ended up grossing $2 million. Now, why? Because it opened up in, December, in October, stayed pretty much through December 1992. You know, I don't know if this movie's not going to stay around for three months. Oh, no. If it stays around for three weeks. You know, they'll be fortunate. And they might. They might. If they're going to be at a million and a half, they might peak $2 million at the end of the day. So, Quite yeah. possibly.
0: <clears throat> Maybe. So, if you love this movie, the message is go support it. Tell your other friends. I mean, the nice part is this, this is definitely a movie that you can rewatch. Yeah. If you love it.
1: Actually, yeah. today uh, I read uh, they, they, they announced uh, the Blu-ray. Uh, deal, which I think is going to be sometime in August.
0: Okay. So, you know. Quite a ways away, but yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: But go see it in the theater. It sounded good. You, you know, good. as he an did. audience member, I felt safe, but the bullets were whizzing over my head.
2: No, I think the first moment when I was like, "Oh man," was when uh, they first got the rifles and he was testing it out for the first time, mm-hmm. and all you could hear was like the loud gun right. test. So I was like, "Oh no, this whole movie is going to be like this." And but it sounded great. Like <laughs> yeah, it was did. Saying.
1: Yeah. Who was okay? So we figured out that Stevo probably had the most violent death. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Death? yes okay. Who was? Who I mean, Shelter Copley's character. Pretty much had a, I mean, he got burnt to 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 a, to a crisp. crisp. I mean, he made he made you know, bacon look bad. Like he that did. was like overly cooked bacon. Um, and then he got shot in the face. He got shot in the nose.
2: That was a headshot. Yeah, that was a good headshot.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say our characters towards the end definitely died the more gruesome. Yeah. I
2: ha- I do have to applaud Justine, though, for making it <laughs> until the end. Like, Granny, she, she double-crossed all of them. Let's clap for the bird. But, yes, let's, let's, clap, clap, for, for the bird. let's <laughs> clap for the hen in the doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was more so, like, just woman supporting another woman. I was like, yeah, you go, girl. Um, especially standing up <laughs> against all those men. Uh, I-, I liked it. And the fact that, like, they built her up like she was... The most likable character. Yeah. I mean, she cared about other people, and she was part of this business and this whole deal. And she it, was playing
0: all of them. She was.
2: Yeah, she was. I actually felt like, bad. But that's like that's cool. where the twist was because yeah. she she was playing the likable character. You're like you're rooting for her because she is so nice. You don't want her to die. No. So I, I think but, they did a good job. With but her. I
1: didn't want. But I didn't want Cillian Murphy <laughs> to die either. I didn't want Or to die. I like I was like, did they have? Did she have to kill them? Like what?
0: Like. Yeah, she did in her mind.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's
2: of the right. fittest. Yeah, final Christian thoughts.
0: Lord. Final thoughts of Free Fire.
2: Um, it was a, it was a fun movie. I like simplicity. Um, these every once in a while you have to watch like one of these fun movies. Um, popcorn talk, sure, and A popcorn type type of movie. I'd like to see this if this was possible being translated to stage. Because it's all in one location. I mean, granted, there's a lot of gunfire, but because of the dialogue is so conversational and simplistic, it'd be. I think it'd be interesting if it was translated. Find out to on stage. our popcorn
0: talk show, Broadway breakdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so see how that translates. <laughs> Just kidding. I, don't know. I, don't, I doubt yeah. that they would. But cover other this.
2: than that, it was a fun movie. All right.
0: Fair enough. It
1: had all the fun, cool, hipness without any pretentiousness. This movie was not pretentious. You know, um, it played really well. It plays very fast. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's, it's eighty five minutes. I mean, it felt like the trailers were gonna outplay the movie <laughs> at a time where, at the theater that I watched it at. So uh, yeah, I just had a really uh, I had a really good time, and I enjoyed some of the performances uh, a lot too. So it's it's, it's a good time.
0: Yeah, um, if, if for the the few fans that watch us without seeing the movies, definitely a movie that I recommend. Worth seeing. Um, it has our stamp of approval, so go check it out. And- and speaking
1: of fans, did you know uh, new new ratings books came out? We're number one in Quebec, in Montreal. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Quebec, uh, in Quebec, we're number one in Quebec, Canada. That's pretty cool. That's I awesome. Think, yeah, so in we're in Canada. We're in Germany, uh, Sweden, uh, 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 Quebec. I believe we also have uh, some viewers in Montreal that have made us number one in Montreal and Minnesota, Minnesota <laughs> of all places
0: it's so cold that, that's there what else you got besides now. the movies <laughs> and, sorry and Minnesota
1: <laughs> easy but uh, we're no longer number one, one in Minnesota fa- <laughs> I, yeah, we're no longer yeah who happens to be our number one fan in Minnesota because always watches our stuff but hey we're like we said one frame at a time we're taking over the world oh, like, yay Canada <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> love
2: Canada
0: let us know your thoughts let us know your opinions um, obviously we enjoyed the movie who was your favorite character what was your favorite scene too much violence, too little violence. Is this your first Ben Wheatley movie? Um, all those things. Whatever you want, that's what the comments are for. Uh, we love talking with you guys, hearing your guys' opinions, because ultimately we can't get through everything. Um, and that's what makes us a great community. So until next time, thank you guys for watching at The Popcorn Talk, at the Movie 1701. Thank you. At Serafini TV. That's right. And uh, check out all, all of our other past anatomies. Check out our future anatomies. Right, we've been mentioning Dunkirk, so that's definitely coming up. Um, we've Guardians we've is got coming did up. King Baby Kong.
1: Driver. We did King Kong we with Ray room. Larson. We did Room with with. That's yeah, right. we had that was a great that's one too. A great that, that was a really got, good one. Right? Uh,
0: in our library, we've got quite an extensive library of over 350 movies already dissected, and uh, plenty more to come. So keep checking back in. Thanks for watching. Bye. Bye.
1: We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.